My name is Amanda. I am 28 years old. I am from Metro Detroit, Michigan, and this is the testimony of how Jesus Christ saved me. start from the beginning. My parents are separated. I am the only child. There were a few before me and one after me. They did not make it to life. Shortly after my mom left my father, she came to Christ. She stayed lukewarm for a long time. She didn't fully understand having to surrender everything. My father stayed in Satanism, in witchcraft, Celtic Druidry, uh, he was reading the Book of the Dead, teaching all of that to me. Uh, the woman he was seeing at the time was a pagan witch. Uh, she really practiced green witchcraft, um, sparing life, but she would teach me as well. Uh, there were times where she would teach me astral projection and lucid dreaming along with levitation and um, how to light candles with my mind. All of these practices are demonic. She taught me about astrology, again, demonic. And I would bring these things home to my mom and I would tell her about all the things I've learned and I would show her. She would then rebuke them in the name of Jesus Christ she really didn't understand what she was up against. So the spiritual warfare in our household was quite intense. She prayed over me 24-7, specifically against the spiritual attacks that were coming from the enemy because of who my father was. Well, he's not dead. Uh, who my father is. So we're still praying for my dad. Still praying for him. Um, my mom did her best as a single mom. She did her best. She worked 70 hours a week, but she did not raise me. So oftentimes I would rebel against what she wanted because she wasn't the one who was teaching me. I would only see her on the weekends and it would typically be just to go to church and then she would sleep and get ready for work. So my babysitters and other family members were teaching me their religious and cultural practices. Um, the people that would stay with us would practice witchcraft in our household, would watch pornography, violent pornography in our household. All of these things are demonic um, and against the Lord, but it allowed a lot of spirits to come in and just attack, attack, attack. Uh, um, one of my childhood friends had lost her father and that Halloween time, we ended up seeing him after death. It wasn't really him. It was a, a demon. And uh, my mom came in to find my friend and I playing Ring Around the Rosie. 
leaving a space open for her dead father, who we thought we were playing with. And when my mom came in, um, she started praying immediately because she saw no one there. And then the demon revealed himself to her and she prayed even harder and it left. Um, my mom got me my Bible. I had a lot of Bibles throughout the years, but I would always damage them because I didn't understand how beautiful they are. They're just filled with life and richness because it's filled with Jesus Christ and it is a living word. It is living water. It is our sword. Um, it is truth. So my mom and I moved because we thought we were going to have a new family. My mom was engaged to a guy um, who had two kids, a boy and a girl, and the boy was sexually abusing me. So that ended. My mom saw another guy and he was sexually abusing me. My mom brought around a few more friends. She wasn't aware of any of these things uh, until a couple of years ago, to be honest. Um, I didn't know I could talk about them. And I thought maybe she knew. She didn't. Uh, I was sexually abused my entire childhood by people my mom would bring around. She didn't know. She, they all seemed like good people. It was men and women. Um, for a while, we lived with friends, or friends would live with us. Um, there were a lot of bad influences in my life. In my dad's house, they were teaching me witchcraft, and they kept telling me, this is, this is who you are, this is your heritage, you don't understand. And they kept really trying to press on me that we have these special powers in my family of reading minds. My family still very much believes this. Uh, that's demonic. You cannot read somebody else's mind. In fact, the demons can't even read your mind. They can just guess and they can influence what you think. But they cannot know what you think. Only God can because he created your beautiful mind. So... With all of these horrible influences going on in my life, my mom realized I was in a lot of trouble. I was rebelling, and soon I was going to end up um, in trouble with the law, like a lot of my friends. So in middle school, my mom decided to get married, uh, especially because my father at the time was in and out of jail and prison. He got into hard drugs. Uh, I saw a lot of violence, and I started acting it out on people. I was manipulating for fun, which is a form of witchcraft. Again, the Lord abhors it. Um, so my mom married, and she moved me across the country from Michigan all the way to Colorado. She immediately took me out of public school, which is funny because I begged to be put into private school. What kid does that? I think Zoe one-on-one had an influence on me. But I got put into private school, and the Christian school I went to was very much culty and only had six people in my grade. It was from infants all the way to 12th grade. Um, apparently, back in the day, it used to be booming. Tons of people would go there. And then people started realizing there's something really weird about this school. The school is now shut down. So, praise the Lord. While I was there, I learned a lot about scripture. Did I fully believe it? Not so much. But I did know that Jesus Christ was my Savior and that he was God. And there is no other God besides him. Uh, I'm very thankful for that school to have taught me so much about scripture. 
even though at the time I hated it. Uh, during my time there, I ended up calling out my first false teacher. She was my eighth grade Bible teacher. She had been there for about two decades. In fact, I was her teacher's assistant for her daughter um, who was in preschool. So I was very close with this family. I had only been there for a year. Um, one day she decided to teach us that there was a God bigger than our God. There is not. There's only little G gods. They're false idols. There's no God bigger than Jesus. Jesus is it. And she pointed out the scripture that didn't exist in Romans. And I took that home to my mother, explained to her how this was wrong. There is something not right about this. This teacher has already said a couple of wrong things before. And my mom called a few of the other students' parents, and they all said, yeah, she did teach that. My kids are all saying the same thing. They all have the same notes. That teacher was let go. Turns out she was a Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah's Witness in Christianity, completely different. They are not the same. So in that school, we ended up doing a study on cults so that we were able to figure out what's real and what's not what's truth and what's deception. Which was, again, weird because it was still a very culty school. There were things going on there that should not have gone on. And uh, we ended up leaving that school, well, pulling me out of that school um, after two years of being there because of um, a sexual assault that happened to me. And a friend decided to tell everybody that I was begging for it. So I was bullied. Um, I was bullied very hard. I was bullied all the way up until 10th grade, which is when I went to this new school. I went to two elementaries, two middle, and two high schools. So my second high school that I went to, uh, I didn't really know Christ there, but I was trying. I was really trying because my dad had overdosed for the fifth or sixth time at that point. And, um, my life was falling apart. My grandpa had gotten diagnosed with lung cancer. Um, I didn't really like my stepfather. My parents, those two are not together anymore. Um, there was a lot going on. My stepfather used to call me a prostitute because I lost my virginity to rape. Um, and he would drop me off every morning saying, have a good day, little prostitute. Have a good day, little hooker. And that really tore me apart. I didn't want to live anymore and that's when I became suicidal um, I tried to take my life two or three times in high school um, physically tried to take my own life and they didn't work praise the Lord because at the time I wouldn't have gone to heaven I still wasn't living my life for Christ I was so lost and confused and suicide isn't the path to heaven so I was seeking out Christ. I was going to church. I was joining the, the youth group, and, but I felt I was too broken to be there because all the kids in my group, they all had perfect families. They all celebrated the holidays. My mom and I stopped celebrating Christmas and, well, we stopped celebrating Christmas when I was in fifth grade, I believe. And then when we moved to Colorado, my stepfather, coincidentally enough, was raised in a cult the Branamites, and uh, he didn't celebrate Christmas anymore either, coming to Christ and understanding truth. Um, 
we had a lot of Jewish friends at the time, so we would do the Jewish holidays. Um, not all of them were proper. So, yes, I have been exposed to a lot of things. Um, in high school, I started raving at 15 years old. I had slept around after getting raped, after getting sexually assaulted, essayed. Um, and I figured I might as well just give it up at this time, that there's no point in saving for marriage like I wanted to. So I started sleeping around and then rumors started going around with me because uh, I was dating the guy who was known to sleep with everybody. And I didn't stop the rumors. Any rumor that went around about me, I let them have it. People had fun with it. Um, when they realized like the rumors weren't affecting me and I would just make the rumors even worse, and they stop spreading rumors about me. I don't um, recommend doing that. Anybody starts a rumor about you, don't encourage it. Try to shut it down or just ignore it. Um, unless it's obviously hurting your profession or your marriage or your family. Correct that. But at that time, I was encouraging it and I was adding on to the drama because it was fun. I was working myself. 40 to 60 hours a week while going to two schools. I went to a technical school and regular high school. I was raving. I was sleeping around. Um, and I started watching The Vampire Diaries. And I remember Bonnie getting into witchcraft. And I was like, wow, I remember that. I hadn't practiced witchcraft in like 10 years at that point. And so I decided like, I'm going to start looking into this. And then I got into Tumblr and I started like, exploring with my sexuality. Um, I was bisexual for a long time. Praise the Lord, I'm not anymore. Uh, and I was practicing witchcraft secretly. Um, by the end of high school, right before graduation, I lost several friends to suicide. Um, a very close friend of mine ended up brutally murdering a little girl. Um, my dad was back in prison. My grandpa was still sick with lung cancer, and I think he had kidney failure at the time. Uh, and so I was like, there's nothing left for me in this life. Obviously, I'm not going to take my own life at this point in time, but I need to do something. College wasn't an option for me. Nobody told me about college. I didn't even know I had to apply. I thought you just, you just went. It's not like that at all. So I joined the Navy. While in the Navy, I only made it through boot camp when I saw a girl breaking down in my ship and she's like, I need to go home. I need to go home. And I was like, why would you want to go home? This is the best thing ever. Like getting discipline, learning. I loved it. I was always a person who loved school. I never even missed a day of school. I would go when I was super sick. I would never miss class. Like I loved learning. And so I was there and we're getting disciplined. And next thing you know, like two days later, the Lord's like, you need to go home. You need to go home. That was the first time I heard the Lord talk to me where I knew, okay, he's real. And so I got myself separated. Turns out I actually um, was diagnosed with PTSD, depression, and anxiety. I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression at the age of five due to what was going on in my life at the time. And uh, it just stayed with me and I had forgotten about that. Um, I was diagnosed with PTSD. On top of that, so they separated me, and then the government shut down, and I was stuck there for a month and a half. 
And in that time, my mom was getting a divorce. Her father ended up getting cancer and having a stroke. So she had to go across the country, get him and come back to no job, no home, nothing. So she had to start all over again. And then I called my mom. I was like, mom, I'm being separated. I'm coming home. She was praying for the Lord to send me home because she couldn't do it alone. And so I was stuck there for a month and a half while she set up all of that stuff. The government had shut down. I was making my paycheck uh, and I wasn't able to spend it because you're stuck in naval separations. So when I got home, luckily I had money in my bank account because of that. I was able to help my mom with the bills and take my grandfather to chemo or radiation or the doctors when he would have a bleeding ulcer, which happened a lot. He had a lot of strokes in the one year of us caring for him. He ended up giving his life at the age of 79 years old. He got baptized Easter weekend. And uh, he ended up dying like six months later. 79 years old, he gave his life to Christ. I got to witness that. And I wasn't even a Christ Christian at that time. But while in Navy separations, I got a Bible that I actually wanted to read. And I came home and I was like, I'm going to join the Peace Corps. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And uh, I started hanging out with my old friends again in Colorado. And I realized these people have like this darkness around them, like they a dark cloud around them. And I started noticing this and I didn't want to be around them anymore. And we ended up moving back to Michigan um, in April, right after my birthday. Well, right at the end of the month, I'm sorry. Uh, I missed my best friend's boyfriend's, he was my boyfriend at the time, he was my best friend for like five years, uh, graduation from high school, which was heartbreaking. We also broke up because I moved back home. Uh, and when I came home, I reconnected with all of my childhood friends who were into hard drugs and really dark witchcraft. And I went back to my roots. Um... My mom was looking for a church at that time, so I wasn't going with her. And also, I'm an adult now. I'm 18. I'm 19. I can do whatever I want. Uh, <laughs> my life was a mess. It was truly a mess. Uh, I got back into witchcraft. I ended up in this group that uh, originally there was like eight of us, maybe. Um, we would do acid, we would do ecstasy, we would smoke a lot, a lot, a lot. We did that more than drinking. Um, we would always get together and we would rave. We would go to raves a lot and festivals. We ended up expanding our group into several hundred people. And it turns out they ended up looking to us like leaders and they wouldn't throw parties or anything if we didn't approve of it. We wouldn't, they wouldn't add anybody into the group if we didn't approve of it. We became leaders of this group. Um, and in this group, we ended up having a house that we partied in. And uh, it ended up getting raided on a New Year's. And in that New Year's, I was actually back in Colorado at another rave, seeing a guy I shouldn't have seen right after my grandpa had died. Um, my life was tumbling downhill fast. I took a Greyhound all the way to Colorado slept with this guy thinking that uh, he really liked me. I was delusional. He didn't even want me to go. I made a fool of myself. I left three days early and I didn't even get to go to see the people I wanted to see at this festival. 
I had to go to day two when I had tickets for one, two, and three. And I only got to go to day two. Uh, one of the biggest humiliating moments of my life, truly. So I end up calling a couple of friends. I was like, hey, can you drive me to the airport? I fly back home to Michigan. Um, and my friends are telling me our house got raided. The party house got raided. Everybody was on acid. And SWAT raided the house. Insane. And they raided it because a couple of neighbors were concerned. They would always see us girls in lingerie coming home from raves, drugged up, going into a house, and then like limping on our way out because it would be several days later. We would just continue doing drugs. And uh, apparently one of the girls, she was brand new. We had not, a, us leaders had not even met her yet. She just joined like a month or two prior. She did so many drugs that night. She ended up stripping naked and running through the lawn, which is when SWAT was like, okay, we need to go in now. Um, there was no trafficking happening in the house, this house, but there were a lot of orgies, a lot. After that happened, we stopped going over there. We stopped talking to a lot of the people. And if we did, we only did during the daytime. We didn't want to be around them at nighttime. And I left that group when I went to two festivals. I went to Wanderlust, the yoga festival with my cousin. And that was the first time that I ever experienced in my life homesickness. I had been to almost every state in America. And I've lived in 50 different houses. And um, I've never even actually had a steady house before. So why am I experiencing homesickness? What I was missing was the Lord. There was not one single glimmer of Christ at this festival. And I felt homesick for that. And I called my mom and I'm like, I don't understand. My cousin's normally the one who gets homesickness. Why am I sick right now? What's going on? And she goes, it's because Jesus isn't there, Amanda. You need to come home. And so when I came home, um, I had to pack up and get ready for the next festival, which was Electric Forest. And there I had the absolute worst time of my life. I didn't do any drugs. Um, I got robbed. Somebody drugged me. They put pills in my camel back and uh, followed me to my tent. Thankfully, security stopped them. Uh, it was the worst time of my life. I ended up breaking up with my boyfriend at the time by scooching out of the kitchen window and um, never seeing him again. That's a lie. I'm sorry. I did see him one more time after that. And uh it was right after they all decided they wanted to go see the big Baphomet statue in Detroit for um, the satanic church that was posting up. And they're like, we need to go to this event. And I was like, I'm never talking to you again. And it's six months later, I end up throwing this party for New Year's Eve. And um, I don't even know how it happened, but people were like, you need to sleep with the co-host. And I was like, no, I want to wait till marriage. I know I've had sex before, but I want to wait till marriage. And they're like, here take these drugs. And I was like, no, I'm good. And then my friends are sneezing in the kitchen. I say, bless you. They say, you don't need a Claritin, Amanda. We're snorting. You're ruining our high. And I go, mm. okay, where am I? What's going on? Like the Lord removed all my blinders at once. And uh, so I went up to the bathroom. I was like, Lord, please get me out of here. I come back down, I sit on the couch, and one of my old coworkers comes to sit with me, and she goes, we brought a chicken to sacrifice, it's in the trunk, do you want to come take a look at it to make sure it's okay? And I go, 
I mean, you brought a chicken to sacrifice. I realized how deep I had gone. And so I ran upstairs to the bathroom and uh, prayed for the Lord to take me out of there in the name of Jesus Christ. Take me home, Lord. Don't let anybody like remember me. Don't remember me being here. Lord, raise me from the memories, Lord, and I'm yours. And he did just that. The very next day, my mom took me to buy yet another Bible. She prayed deliverance over me. And um, I started going to church with her immediately. I got involved with mission trips and... Um, I ended up serving. I burnt myself out on serving because I did that for five years, but I served and I was consistent and I was loyal and I learned as much as I could until the Lord's like, okay, we need to move on now. And so I was lukewarm at that time. And then the Lord told me to start praying to be refined and for the Lord to convict my heart. And so I prayed a refining prayer and um, he took away literally everything from me my dog, my job, my car, my house right before COVID. And um, I had moved down south with my grandparents in Florida, where I found out my grandpa was a 33rd degree Mason. And my grandmother comes from a line of black witches and her brother was sacrificed to Satan on their front lawn. And um, I'm smiling because it's just absolutely wild to me. Uh, all of these things that happened in the Lord's hand and protection and just what he's brought me through. I, um, I've gone through armed robberies. I've gone through just plain robberies. I've solved armed robberies. I've been through a bomb threat. I've seen overdosing. Like I've gone through orgies and cults and I've gone through all of it. And now Jesus Christ is like, okay, here's a husband. And I got married this past year and um, the hardest year of my life. We both got diagnoses this year that we weren't expecting. And then my grandpa, my best friend, the one that also was a 33 degree Mason, he was the one who essentially raised me. He ended up passing away and he passed away on one of the Lord's feasts. And the first feast, the Lord goes, prepare your heart, like just prepare so well, Amanda, give all of your time to me. And, uh, Choose me first over family. And I said, okay, okay. And he's preparing my heart because the very next feast, the Lord's like, don't touch your phone. Just stay with me. Just stay with me, Amanda. My grandpa dies. From the first feast, my grandpa went on life support. I'm bleeding out. To the next feast, my grandpa died. From the first feast, um... Well, the first, the last time I talked to my grandfather was a couple days before the feast. And um, I prayed with my grandpa. And I said, I know you were raised Catholic. And I know you don't practice it anymore. And I don't know what you did in your life, but you need to repent. And you need to give your life to Christ. And that was the longest I ever prayed over him out loud. He's normally not comfortable with it. Because I'm scared. And I know. But the Lord's waiting and he wants to forgive you and he wants to love you. We said our goodbyes. That was the last time I ever talked to him. And then November 1st, my uncle died. My husband and I actually stayed with him um, two weeks prior because uh, he was doing bone marrow cancer treatments. And um, while there, my husband witnessed to him and we prayed over him, prayed for his salvation. 
And he goes, this is the last time you're going to see me. And the day he died was actually the night we were supposed to come over and stay the night with him to watch him. Uh, and then the very next day, we get a call. Your Aunt Judy's dead. Your aunt's dead. My uncle's wife, who we had seen the night before to console her. And my husband, again, prayed over her and witnessed to her. And we heard out of her own mouth, I believe it. I believe Jesus. This is the first time it all makes sense. Everything makes sense. And my mom stayed with her that night and she heard her praying the entire night, asking for the Lord to take her and um, to forgive her. In a matter of three months, two months, one month, end of September to the very beginning of November, I lost three family members and I believe all three of them are with Jesus Christ. And so this past year to where I am right now, I very feel, I feel very much that the Lord is just pressing on me to make him my number one, to not let any distractions come between us and to just evangelize, evangelize to the dying. My friend from work, I just got diagnosed a couple of months ago, right before my grandpa got sick um, with brain cancer. And yesterday we just got the news that her brain tumor shrank, defying all odds. The Lord overcame doctors who told her, don't even bother, you have a death sentence. You'll be dead by the end of the year. Her tumor shrank. Praise the Lord. If there's one takeaway from all of this, let it be that conviction leads to repentance. And repentance leads to refinement and beauty. Honestly, it's so beautiful being refined. It is hard and it is trying, but it is so beautiful because it's filled with life and enrichment. And um, it's filled with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is our Savior, and he will get us through anything. So one takeaway is just really give your life to Christ. And when you give your life to Christ, be prepared because you're constantly going to be convicted. You're not going to feel shame. You're going to be convicted. You're going to be led to repentance and you're going to be led to refinement. And then you are going to deliver it all. You're going to surrender it all to the Lord. And he's going to be like, here, here you go. Next assignment, next gift, next blessing. Yeah. Jesus is great. Thank you so much for taking the time to watch this Testimony Tuesday video. I really pray that you were blessed by it. Give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the Heaven and Healing podcast channel if you haven't already. We go live on this channel every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central Time. So set your notification bell and come back and see us really soon. And do consider partnering with the Heaven and Healing Ministry. There's a QR code up on the screen for you to become a monthly partner. Or if you just feel led to sow a one-time seed, there are different options to do so down below in the episode description. Heaven and Healing is entirely crowdfunded, only made possible through the generosity of the audience. So anything at all means so much to us. We thank you for your support and prayers. God bless. Jesus loves you.